Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. It is so good to be here with you guys this morning. My name is Josh. I'm the family pastor here at Fox River. And a special shout out to our campuses in Waterford, Muskego, and online. You can drop us a a hello, a smiley face, or a wave emoji. We'd love to see that. And a special shout out to Ben. Ben is watching online. I know it from Sussex. And so uh, just excited to be here today, excited to continue in our Jesus Over Everything sermon series uh, that we launched a couple weeks ago. Pastor Guy and Pastor Bill have done a fantastic job covering off the first two chapters of Colossians. And so if you were guessing, hey, I bet you Pastor Josh is going to speak on Colossians chapter three. You're right. I am. So you can go there right now. You can turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, whether that's on a device or a physical version of Scripture, because that's where we're going to find ourselves. And we're going to determine and we're going to take a look at this big idea that Jesus is over everything and it changes me from the inside out. And so I want to encourage you to be continuing to read the book of Colossians this week, especially chapter 4, because guess what? Next week's going to be on. Colossians 4, of course. You know, we can count to four here. Well, I can. (laughs) So anyway, uh, we know a little bit about the context of this book in that it was written by the Apostle Paul. It was written to a specific church in a specific place at a specific time called Colossae, which is in now modern-day Turkey. Now, Paul didn't establish that church. He actually never even got to visit it. But he heard about some of the struggles and frustrations that were taking place there And so he sent a letter because Epaphras told him about these things. And he basically said, hey, you're operating on some bad theology. So let me correct some of your theology. And that's what we would find in chapters 1 and 2 is some instructions about theology. But it's not just so that we have more information. It's so that that theology, that proper understanding of how we ought to conduct our lives would flow into practical living. And that's where we kind of turn the corner in Colossians today in chapter 3 and then ultimately chapter 4. And so it's my prayer that this just wouldn't be new information that would be like, oh wow, I found out something cool. But in fact, that it would be something that would change our lives from the inside out. So would you pray with me that that's what would take place to get today and together Jesus, we come before you, thankful, grateful to assemble. God, we just ask that you would speak loud and clear, that you would do that transformative work in us, that as we leave this place, we'd be more like you than when we first came in. And so God, do that work, change us, because you genuinely are over everything. And all God's people said, amen, amen. So, Rather than taking a look here differently as, you know, this is how our life is modeled, we're going to focus in that Jesus is over everything. You see, I'm not sure where you are at and how you came into church today. Pastor Guy talked about in week one that sometimes he's allowed fear to be over Jesus. And if I'm going to be real transparent with you today, there's times in my life when depression and anxiety are in control and are the thing that kind of trips me up and messes me up. 
But as we've been walking through this series, we've been reordering things. Things that used to be, you know, the focus are now being put in the right place because Jesus is over them. Amen? And so I'd love for you to say it with me. Jesus is over everything. Ready? Man, you guys can sing. You can, like, preach. What am I doing here? But this is not easy. It's actually quite hard. This is natural. This takes a ton of work. And I don't know where you are at in your particular place and station of life, but first things first, we want to just be real. This is the old life that Paul tells us we're to get rid of. And this is the new life in which Paul tells us we're to take on. And so in week one, like I said, Pastor Guy talked about fear over that, and we're going to unpack this. But we're going to take a look in Colossians chapter 3 at the dichotomy versus old and new. And so I want to start in Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 and following. It reads this way. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Basically what's happening is here is Paul's turning the corner from theology to right and practical living. Okay? And so he's reminding us this. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your mind on things that are above, not on things of earth. You see, what he's basically saying, that as a Christ follower, it's time to pay attention. It's time to wake up. It's time to live that Jesus life in everything we think, everything we say, and everything we do. To look more like Jesus today than yesterday. And so this is what he's trying to unpack. And this big, broad umbrella concept is known as sanctification. And theologians would basically say that sanctification is the process of becoming set apart or becoming holy. And it ought to be our daily aim. But sometimes we get distracted, we get busy. Because we just kind of assume that, you know, I've received Jesus and time and maturity are just going to like magically allow that spiritual life to go like this. That's not true. I want to burst that bubble because all so often in the faith journey, it's three steps forward and then two steps back. Sometimes we fall. Sometimes we struggle. Sometimes we just have to recognize that that is okay. We're to pick ourselves back up, dust ourselves off, and continue moving forward with our eyes fixed on who? Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So that we end up being more like him today than in yesterday and everything we think, say, and do. And so Paul, remember, he's trying to be practical here. And so in verses 5 to 9, he talks to us about this list of things that were put to put to death. And it begins like this. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Check this out in verse 7. Circle, highlight, star it, however you want to take note of it. You used to walk in these ways, right? He's talking about the old life. 
You used to be like that. But now that you are a Christ follower, you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self and its practices. Paul's being practical. He's saying, guys, wake up. Pay attention. This is serious stuff. There are two categories he's addressing in this long list of sins. Sins of our speech and sins that attribute to the sexual nature. And he's being really, really serious here to get rid of them, to take them off. But there's a difficulty for each and every single one of us when it comes to sin. We dabble with it because let's be honest, sin's a little bit fun. If it wasn't fun, it wouldn't be so hard to get rid of. Because it's fun, it's a struggle, it's a daily battle. And so the trouble is, we don't take them out because they're a little bit fun. We don't put them to death. And as a result, they begin to kill us. So listen clearly. We put them to death. We kill them before they kill us. We don't dabble around, we put them to death. Let's talk about each one briefly. Sexual immorality. As Christ's followers, this means that you reserve sex for the covenantal relationship between you and your spouse and your spouse alone. What that means is we're not participating in premarital sex. Leanna talked about that briefly in her interview. Not living like the world, but living as Christ followers. That means we don't practice extramarital sex. We put to death sexual immorality, impurity. As Christ's followers, we're called to be holy as God is holy and to set our minds on things above, not earthly things. Before sin ever takes hold, before it ever works itself into our life as an action, it first starts in our mind. And so we have to put to death those thoughts, impurities, lust, as Christians, we have to avoid lust. And similarly to the one I just mentioned, it begins in our mind. Lust is crossing a line sexually in our mind. And so we have to set our eyes and our hearts and our minds on things above, not on things of earth. So we put to death lust. Evil desire. Evil desire is similar to impurity. Evil desire here is the mental part. And you could put those two together, two sides of one coin. Lust on one side, evil desire on the other. And so we keep our minds set and fixed on good rather than evil. And so we put to death evil desires. Greed. As Christians, greed so often creeps into our lives and we hold on to things too tightly with clenched fists. Never being satisfied. Always wanting more, bigger, faster, shinier. In pursuing greed, we essentially say this of our relationship with God. I don't trust you. and I don't believe that you'll supply for me. Greed is the opposite of God's loving and giving nature. And so we need to model lives of generosity rather than greed. And so we put greed to death. Idolatry. Idolatry. When you and I act in this type of fashion, in this kind of living, in this kind of way, we sin. And sin is essentially saying, I want what I want more than what God wants for me. 
Your desires become selfish, and we are trying to be, and in doing so, we are being idolatrous, worshiping ourselves rather than God. See, sin doesn't keep Jesus in his right place over everything. Sin flips the script. And so we must do the opposite of what is natural and keep Jesus over everything. And we have to put to death idolatry, anger, Anger, Paul says, get rid of anger here. And the idea here that's like when we take off our clothes at the end of the day and we put on our pajamas and those dirty clothes go in the laundry or on the floor if you're a teenager. And all the parents in the room said. That's what he's associating here. We get rid of, we take off anger from our lives. What about the next one, rage, rage, you know, we drive around in our cars and we get, you know, we see, we hear news, we read on Facebook or something about road anger, right? No, road rage. You're driving along, someone cuts you off, everything was going fine, all of a sudden it's like, bam! You're a 10 out of 10. You've had this outburst of anger. It's uncontrolled. It's wild. And so it's counterintuitive of God and his love and his kindness and mercy towards us. And so we have to get rid of rage. How many of you, maybe you don't drive, but you play video games. You're a gamer. It's okay. You can be honest in church. And the game doesn't go as you wish. And you take that controller and you throw it. Not the big screen TV. I've seen that before. Rage, it's a sudden outburst of anger. And so we need to rid ourselves and put that to death. Malice and slander. Malice and slander. Malice is the intention to do harm. And slander is the intention to hurt and do damage. Think of those two things, physical and verbal. And so we put those to death as well. Malice and slander. What about... What about our language, our filthy language, right? Swearing, obscene talk, derogatory or crude joking, foul words. Man, does that model Jesus to the unbelieving world as they hear you? Is it showing people who is on the throne of your heart who is residing and in control? Is he Jesus over everything or, or not? See, we muddy the message of Jesus and being Christian when we use filthy language. And so we have to resent, represent him well by what we say. Lying. Lying has no place and is completely opposite of truth for a Christ follower. Lying represents the devil more than any way, shape, or form, God or Jesus. In fact, in Scripture, it tells us over and over again that the devil is a deceiver, which is another way of saying an untruth teller, and that he's the father of what? Lies. Lying is in his very core nature. And so if we are trying to live like Jesus more in everything we think, say, and do, we remove ourselves of lying because lying is the opposite of truth. In John chapter 14 and verse 6, it says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus speaking here, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus and his followers ought to be bearers and ambassadors and proclaimers of truth. All these sins that I've just listed, the 8, 9, 10, 12 of them, 
represent this diagram. What I want when it's me over Jesus. And we're to take them off, to put them to death. And it continues on. Let's pick it up again in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. Remember, anytime you see the word therefore in Scripture, ask, what is it therefore? As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them together in unity. Binds them together in perfect unity. Because Jesus is over everything, we take off the old life and put on the new life. And some of you have been dying for me to do that just now because you're like, that jacket is hideous. Did you get mugged on your way to church? And all the women in the room said, how did his wife let him out of the house? Okay, I'm two for two in all the services here this weekend. I'm putting this on and not getting bumbled up. So see if I can go three for three. Don't forget the beard. Glasses, microphone, and beard. That's a lot to get through one neck hole. Woo. But we put these virtues on. The new life in Christ where Jesus is over everything. We take off the old, the ratty, the sin-stained life, the old way of living. We put on the new. Why? Because it's what Jesus models for us in being gracious and kind and compassionate. These new clothes, virtues that are in line with God and his character, not the devil. We put on compassion for others because God has compassion towards you. Jesus is compassionate towards us, and we in turn are compassionate towards others. And then we put on the next virtue, the virtue of kindness. John's Gospel, the 13th chapter, says they will know we are Christians by our love. Another way of saying kindness is not being harsh, but rather being gracious or kind to one another. Jesus was kind towards us, and we, in turn, are kind towards others. Humility. This is a tough one. You know, I recently, at Trash Day, had to throw away my first place prize for being humble. I had a trophy for it. <laughs> What's the opposite of humility? Self-love. Humility isn't thinking of yourself, right? It isn't thinking less of yourself, but most often thinking of yourself less. So we need to be humble. Jesus was humble. Gentleness. All right, men in the room, you're not going to like this. We don't like to be gentle. We're going to be tough. MMA. Ooh. Horsepower. Gunpowder. Jesus power. Yeah, Jesus had incredible power, but it was always under control. Jesus had power under control, and so we're gentle. We're gentle, like Jesus was gentle towards us. What's this one say? Patience. <laughs> Pastor, you can't tell me to be patient because all that's going to do is provide opportunity to pray. 
practice. Aren't you glad God was patient with you? Man, I, I am so glad God was patient with me. I needed a double dose. I didn't come to faith till I was in high school. Some of you are gonna come to faith today. God's been pursuing you. He's patient in his love towards you. So we in turn are patient towards others. Forgiveness, forgiveness. This is a good one. Starts for many of us by forgiving ourselves. Before ever to forgive someone else, we need to let go of some of our hurts and hangups about ourselves. So we forgive because Jesus, God, first forgave us. So we forgive. Everything about Jesus' life was about forgiving you and me. And so we in turn are quick to forgive. And then it says, lastly, that we are to put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I didn't want to get that on my beard. Paul moves nearing this list to say, put on love, which already, you know, mentioned, binds all of them up together in unity. We can't have compassion. We can't have kindness. We can't have humility, gentleness, patience, or forgiveness without love. We are known by our love. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus so that no one would perish, but all would have eternal life. We love because God first loved us. I want to be really, really practical here. Up on the screen is going to be a QR code to a poll. I'm going to ask you to take out your phones and scan that QR code. And right now, where you are at today, online and in this place, what is it that you need to put on? Compassion? Kindness? Humility? Gentleness? Forgiveness? Which is the one thing that if you put that on right now, you will leave differently than when you came in. You will look more like Jesus in everything you think, everything you say, and everything you do at home, at work, on the, on the roads of life, wherever you find yourself this week. Focus in on that one thing. Click on it and see how we as a church together today are striving to keep Jesus over everything by adding this one thing, by putting it on in our lives practically. Because here's the deal, friends. Jesus followers should so clothe themselves with Jesus, that's all that other people see. That Jesus over everything is what life is all about. That's our goal and aim. When people observe your life, when people observe my life, what do they see? Do they see a ratty, sin-stained, duplicit life? Do your thoughts, your words, your actions demonstrate who is in charge, who your life is aligned and pointed at? Is Jesus really over everything in your life? Maybe you identify with this jacket. Right now where you're at, the Holy Spirit's like, man, 
You are angry, man. You are malicious, man. You are unforgiving, man. You are arrogant, which is the opposite of humility. I don't know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you here or online, but good news is Jesus wants to forgive you of those things. He really does. He wants to help you put them to death forever. And so if that's where you're at, God is stirring in you one of those sin items to be released from, to receive freedom over, then just whisper this prayer right where you are and online. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I wanna rid, I wanna take off. And then just say it to Jesus, whatever that thing is right now. And in its place, Jesus, I place you over everything. I want you to lead my life. I want you to forgive my life. I want you to help me in all ways to represent you that as I go about life, when people see me, they see you. And my life would reflect your life, Jesus, in everything I think, everything I say, and everything I do. Friend, if you just thought those thoughts and whispered those prayers, wherever you're seated here in Waukesha or Muskego or Waterford or online, well done. Putting Jesus over everything. Church family, would you give those people a round of applause who have boldly said that? So if you did that here online, et cetera, would you just show me? Would you just raise your hand and say, yeah, I did that today. Yeah, amen, amen. But take it a step further. Again, scan the QR code. Click on the new to faith button. We'd love to help you as you walk out your new steps and continue to walk out faith so that your life genuinely look more like Jesus today and everything we think, say, and do than yesterday. Tell somebody about it. Tell me, I'll be up front at the end of our service. I'd love to celebrate that with you. For Christ follower in the room, maybe you're feeling a little bit convicted by the Holy Spirit as well. Point out stuff in your life that needs to be thrown off, taken off, put to death. You can do that as well today, right here where we're at. Whether it be sexual immorality, idolatry, lust, greed, anger, rage, malice, filthy language, slander, lying, I'm not sure. But right where you're at, would you just say, Jesus, man, that's been here and I'm, I'm, I'm laying at your feet. I'm putting you over everything. Forgive me of that. Restore me, fill me afresh. I so desire that as people would see me in the grocery store, at the restaurant, in like half an hour's time that they would see Jesus instead of the real, natural, sin-stained, ratty life. Church family, I know it's your inmost heart's desire, each and every single one of us, that we would look more like Jesus today than yesterday, amen? So with me, would you please recite these words that are on the screen? Jesus over everything, changes me. One more time. Mm, So good. Love you guys. God bless you. Have a fantastic week. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast. Oh, 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 oh,